quote at AAA.com slash insurance and save by bundling auto and home. Three, two, one. Never has there been a better time to be alive in human history. If you're not feeling it, you must discover why. Join Matthew Bolton in developing and applying a framework of objective optimism toward a flourishing life of meaning, health, and happiness. Here's your host, Matthew Bolton. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Mr. Brightside. I'm Matthew Bolton. Well, over a year ago, I wrote a very brief essay titled Enter at Optimism, in which I described the scene of a classroom discussion that led me to a realization. I proceeded in the essay to lay out that realization. Today on this show, I want to elaborate on the main points, especially in the light of an idea from my recent interview with Rich Curtis a few weeks ago. In that interview, the episode which is titled, Change Your Story, Change Your Life, and which is a must-listen and re-listen, I ask Rich about his idea that building the life you want starts with happiness, and that you have to get happy first. It's commonly thought that one has to set their goals, struggle to achieve their dreams, etc., to finally reach happiness, but Rich dispels all that noise. Everything is better when you start with happiness. So if happiness is something we're chasing, a state we're trying to get to, we'll never get there. So the the sort of common American model might be, uh, you know, when I graduate high school and I'm finally free of my parents, I'll be happy. And then you're in college. When I graduate college and I, I'm done with this school thing and I'm free to pursue my career, I'll be happy. Oh, when I get the promotion, I'll be happy. When I finally get married, when I have my children, I'll be happy. Oh, when I have my life back and my children moved out, I'll be happy. You know, so happiness always becomes over the next horizon and you get to that next horizon and you realize there's nothing there. There never was, right? The, the happiness wasn't waiting for you. If you can't, one of my favorite quotes is, if you can't feel it now, you won't feel it then, right? When you arrive at the mountaintop, you only have what you brought with you. It's yeah. a barren landscape. There's nothing there. Mm-hmm. And so doing the work of getting happy first and realizing this is an internal state, like I can create the right habits. I can create the, the, I can get the bad stories out of my way. I can do the work of getting happy now. Now, all of a sudden I'm 30% more likely to get the promotion or to make a sale. I'm having better outcomes across the board because I've put my brain in this happy state. Um, so, uh, success and, and, and positive outcomes follows happiness, not the other way around. All right, so amen or hallelujah or whatever you want to say to that. Hear, hear in any case, as it speaks directly to our point today. And of course, I've talked about this much myself from an article on my website with the subheading, A Key to Happiness, after highlighting my definition of eudaimonia as an integrated state of happiness, health, and prosperity, I wrote, quote, With an exclusive focus on future goals, one might achieve health, physical health anyway, and one might achieve material wealth or prosperity, but one cannot achieve happiness. Happiness is an emotional state of contentment. By definition, one must be aware of one's success, health, wealth, good fortune, etc., if one is to enjoy the resulting emotion. One must acknowledge or appreciate the fact that one has these things. If your focus is elsewhere, on the negative present or even the positive future, I'll be happy and contented when, you will never be happy. So while I maintain that an authentic and earned self-esteem is the prerequisite and foundation for happiness, it can never be fully experienced unless we are aware that we have achieved something. Appreciation is the final and necessary key. Now this quote will serve us a little later as I'll refer to it again, but let's first get the main point of today's show out there. So the idea for the article first came about a few semesters ago after holding final exams for my English conversation class at Hanshin University here in Korea. For the final, I have students participate in mock panel discussions on a variety of topics. 
Students are grouped to the best that I can according to what they select as the most interesting topics to them. So as they're seated there, I, as the MC, put a series of questions to them, which they discuss around the table as our expert panel. And in the end, the audience is invited to pose questions. In the Q&A following the broader topic of pessimism versus optimism, one student asked the panelists an excellent question. She said, does success lead to optimism or does optimism lead to success? Now, I sat back and allowed the panelists to work through it together and then waited as some of the other students in the audience had a crack at their own ideas, and it was an impressive discussion overall. For my part, I had never considered the question before, and this was also well before I had really started to think of optimism as a broad central issue in human flourishing, and certainly before starting to formulate the hypothesis of objective optimism versus pessimism and subjective optimism that I always talk about now and through which framework I operate in my own life, before Mr. Brightside and everything. But an answer was appearing in my mind. And as much as I usually want to leave it mostly to the students and not take over the conversation, I do chime in when I think there's something of value that was missed in their discussion. The class was somewhat divided on the answer, going one way or the other, although whatever the direction, nobody doubted the correlation between success and optimism. It was true, I also thought, that while it seemed clear, and I hold true still today, that optimism as an applied method leads to success, I also saw that when one does enjoy some success, it reinforces the confidence in one's method and so amplifies one's optimism. In that way, it does lead to more optimism. So when I referred to a virtuous circle, that all the students seemed to ready to accept the idea, not insisting that one had to precede the other. However, it was one question I added that was of most value to them, to myself, and to anyone looking to optimize any aspect of their lives. So I asked them, where can one enter the circle? For me, the clear answer was optimism. One cannot simply wait for success to befall them. Success does not occur by chance, and to the extent it does occur through seemingly random means, that only indicates that one is unable to identify the causes and so will be unable to repeat the success. The same is true if the success does somehow come about by total fluke or luck, which is very unlikely. In either case, success here will not lead to more optimism, but to more doubt and apprehension. It is only when one knows why one has succeeded that one's optimism is heightened and the virtuous circle gains momentum. Now, it's essential here that we cash in on our new conception of optimism, understanding it clearly. I'm talking about my objective optimism, which is distinguished from subjective optimism, which is the more of the character commonly imagined when people think of an optimist, the blind, hopeful, everything's going to work out somehow guy who doesn't appreciate the full context of a situation. From my Enter at Optimism essay again, If we attempt to insert ourselves at subjective optimism, we will not get moving very far. To enter at real optimism, which can only mean objective optimism, means to enter at reason, appreciating the full context of what is actually there, then choosing to focus on the good, that is, what one has to build upon. It means to choose to be kind and charitable in one's view of others, with the focus on appealing to the good in them. It means choosing objective reality. These and other complementary causes will lead to their corresponding effects of self-esteem, confidence, success, and happiness. And these effects will in turn fuel more of the same within a virtuous circle. Remember in regard to happiness and success, it is not after a long struggle toward the latter that one achieves the former. As Rich Curtis told us, one can start with happiness and thus have better outcomes across the board. Success and positive outcomes follow happiness, not the other way around, he said. The same is true with optimism and success. One can start with optimism and thus have better outcomes across the board. But I want to challenge myself here. Recall earlier when I quoted myself saying, With an exclusive focus on future goals, one might achieve health, physical health anyway, and one might achieve material wealth or prosperity, but one cannot achieve happiness. Now this exclusive focus on future goals while ignoring the positive present is a feature of a pessimistic mindset, 
where happiness is always over the next horizon. And when you get there, there's still nothing there because it's your own lack of appreciation for it which doesn't allow it to be real or apparent to you. Appreciation is the final key. But it's still true that while one might not be happy about it, one might still achieve that success in some way. One might become physically healthy or rich or what have you, even with a more fundamentally pessimistic mindset. And this seems to contradict what I'm trying to argue here about optimism being conducive to success. But while one might have a more pessimistic mindset in lacking appreciation, it is important to note that in my full conception, optimism is not only a mindset, but also a method. Qua method, one might think of it more in terms of optimization, which can certainly be applied to business and health goals. In this way, it is an optimistic method, albeit compartmentally applied, which brings about the success in those things. What I mean is that while one might be more fundamentally a pessimist in terms of one's view of the world, one is nonetheless acting optimistically in these cases, and it is to the optimizing of one's choices in health and business that we must attribute the success, not to any form of pessimism. So in this way, while optimism qua method does lead to success, success on its own doesn't lead to an optimistic mindset and joyful experience of one's life at all. I'm inclined to be more convinced now that one necessarily has to enter at optimism in order to promote more optimism in our virtuous circle. What I mean once more is that a pessimistic person might achieve some form of success in regard to some specific goal like health or wealth, yet not be led to become more optimistic. Scrooge, our famous pessimist I refer to sometimes, did get rich, for instance, but didn't become more optimistic. Not as a result of his success, anyway. It wasn't until he made a major shift in perspective and focus that he developed an optimistic outlook. So with this, I'm saying that one will not have complete success, that full eudaimonia, none of the things that we're ultimately seeking, the self-esteem, the confidence, the happiness, without first adopting and nurturing an optimistic mindset. To set that virtuous circle in motion, one must necessarily enter at optimism. Now before I close, let me remind everyone to please ask questions or make comments. It is always very helpful in achieving more clarity and precision on what I'm trying to say and understand for myself and for listeners. Today's show is a case in point that the thinking is never quite done and the formulation is never quite complete. You can contribute your perspective or questions in the comments section where you're listening now or on the Mr. Brightside Facebook page, facebook.com slash matthewbolton.ca. As well, I'm very grateful if you would share the interview with anyone who you think would appreciate it. Thanks for all that, guys. In closing now, Rich Curtis tells us that we must start with happiness in order to promote more happiness, that achieving goals alone will not make you happy. I concur when I often say things like, if you aren't happy about the things you had previously dreamt of and have now already achieved, why do you expect that you'll be happy when you reach that next thing that you're after? Rich would also add that it is in creating the optimum neurochemical environment in our brain for happiness that actually leads to more positive outcomes besides. I say all the same is true of a fully optimistic outlook. But while success might help perpetuate such optimism, it is only if one has already adopted an optimistic mindset. And that is all about one's choice of focus. It is not predetermined that some people are optimists and some are pessimists. The vicious circle of pessimism and failure have sucked too many in, but it is no less true that the virtuous circle of optimism and success is open to anyone. But where can one enter? I submit here today that fundamentally, it's as simple as that any of us may choose to enter at optimism. I'll see you guys next time. Mr. Brightside, your time out to refresh, refuel, and refocus your mind and energy toward building an optimistic framework for flourishing. Life is good. It's up to you to choose the bright side.